Hi, I'm Tom Power. Welcome to Toy Heart, a podcast about bluegrass. This is the last episode of season two here from Nashville is my conversation with Allison Krauss. I remember, you know, the first time I looked out in the audience and saw people singing words to our songs that only we had recorded. That was just a really crazy moment. Just never thought it would end up being there. Never thought we'd hear back from Rounder. Yeah. Never thought we would hear from Rounder in the first place. If this is your first time listening, you can hear full interviews with Jerry Douglas, Allison Brown, Bela Fleck, Larry Sparks, Jody Stecker, and so many more wherever you get your podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Later on. Hi, hello, it's Basic Folk, where we have honest conversations with folk musicians. I am your host, Cindy Howes. Thanks for checking out the show today. We're going to have Sunny War on, um, going through her new album, Track by Track, the new record, Simple Syrup. But first, I wanted to share some very exciting news that we are announcing a brand new guest host on Basic Folk. Lizzie No will be joining us Uh, On July 1st, starting hosting her very first episode, she actually appeared on the podcast. You may have listened to her episode 94, and if not, you can go back and check it out. She's a brilliant up-and-coming singer-songwriter, originally from Princeton, New Jersey. Uh, She's based in Queens now. She's just so smart, so funny, and just a really great time. We are so thrilled to be announcing her and please subscribe so that you don't miss her very first episode coming up on July 1st with our brand new Basic Folk guest host, Lizzie No. And if you want more information, you can go to our website, basicfolk.com. And yeah, make sure that you're subscribed so you don't miss it because it's going to be amazing. Okay, on to the episode today, Sunny War. Oh, so pumped about this one. She does go through her new album, Simple Syrup, track by track. Talking to Sunny is like an absolute trip. She has lived through incredible trauma and addiction, but approaches life with a very sharp sense of humor. This all comes through on the new record, which was recorded in her usual spot in Venice Beach with producer Harlan Steinberger. Sunny's deeply rooted in Los Angeles, where she started a downtown L.A. chapter of Food Not Bombs, giving out weekly lunches to homeless folks on Skid Row during the pandemic. This has made her think really differently about food preparation, which is something she's pretty passionate about. She talks about what it's been like to make so many lunches at a time and how this process of coming together handing out lunches, making the lunches weekly kind of feels like church. And then we dig into this record, Simple Syrup, which contains songs about lucid dreaming, sober living, the military-industrial complex, adult men acting like babies, and her self-realization that she's not going to stop drinking right now, even though she's an addict. One album highlight, the song Like Nina, is about black women, four different archetypes, Nina Simone, Aretha Franklin, Tina Turner, and Beyonce. Sunny writes them as personality types and says, quote, they're the only four I'm allowed to choose from. Sunny, of course, aligns herself with the archetype of Nina Simone, kind of crazy, introverted, and a weirdo. Personally, I can't wait to talk to this amazing weirdo again. She is unlike anyone else. I hope you enjoy our conversation and check out her album, Simple Syrup. It's Sunny War going track by track on Basic Folk. 
Sunny, so good to see you. Thanks for talking today. Thanks for having me. I read a couple things in like some recent articles that you did um, about food, like how much you love it and how you are a good cook. What has been your relationship to food throughout your life? Like, has it always been good? What kind of associations do you have to the memory of food in your childhood? I would say it hasn't always been good. It depended on like who I was living with. Like my grandma wasn't, she was good at, at certain stuff, but like she did a lot of, like now I'm like, she really like boiled and just like overcooked vegetables and they were all mushy and stuff. And I'm kind of, I'm kind of mad about it because now I think like she would make me and my cousins eat all of the vegetables, but now I'm like, there's really no nutritional value anyway because you mm-hmm. overcooked them. So she just sucked at it. But my mom was, like, really good at cooking. And I still use a lot of her recipes for stuff. I didn't get really into food until I was in my 20s, I guess. What did that look like in your 20s when you started getting into it? When I was in my sober living, like, everybody would cook for the whole house. So that was like my first time, like, it was like, we had to do that. So Mm -hmm. I didn't, I never really cooked before then. But then, like, they taught me how to like fry fish and just make like, these huge kind of like pasta things. And then I started kind of wanting to know more about stuff. And then now I'm kind of obsessed with trying new stuff. And I cook for um, Food Not Bombs every week. So another thing I learned recently is just how to make, like, a huge amount of something, which Mm -hmm. is, like, that's really scary, actually. It's, like, hard to make it to try to say, like, okay, this recipe, but times 100 or something. Like, Mm -hmm. a lot of stuff goes wrong there. But it sounds like you really have, like, taken to, like, that kind of style of cooking because, like, I read, I don't know if, you're serious about this but you said you wanted to start your own catering company yeah one day yeah I kind of think you could just like wing it but probably not but there was one time like my mom one of her friends asked her to cook for like a birthday party or something and then after that someone else asked her to cook for a graduation party and then it was like this whole thing and it was like you kind of just started a catering company just by like mm. just doing one thing for one of your friends and then you just kept doing stuff and then she had to tell people no. But they were paying yeah. her to do it. And I'll, and that kind of makes me think like you can just kind of start something like that. Yeah, totally. And then the more business you get, like the more official you get. That stuff is in high demand. Yeah, it's, especially if like you can figure out like a niche thing. Like, Mm. because now I'm really good at vegan food. I'm not vegan, but I know a lot of like little tricks and I could. Mm. So that could be a whole thing in itself. How do you associate like food, making food with music, making music? I think they like, I guess they could be similar because it's like you could be really isolated working on both of those things. Like songs or whatever, like it has to go through a lot of different you got to change stuff a lot before you feel like it's presentable. And I like that's a lot with food, too, I guess, because mm. I, ha- I have to try stuff first before I think 
before I feel confident, like, oh, I could actually, like, make this for somebody. Hmm. So you got to just, like, change the recipes a little bit. Like, a lot of different versions of every song, like, before the final version. And then sometimes I end up going, like, for a lot of my really old songs, I play, like, a really weird version of them and not how (laughs) they're recorded. So, yeah, you started a chapter of Food Not Bombs um, for homeless folks on Skid Row in downtown L.A., where you're giving out a weekly lunch. And I found like a couple things you said about this that sounds like really interesting. You said, I kind of feel like it's church. It's once a week and it feels good and it helps us come together as a community. Um, now I see people every week and we know each other. It's also about not looking away when you see somebody in this situation. So how is this experience like church? And also like what does that not looking away feel like for you? I don't know if I if I believe in God or something, but I think it's like the same, or that's what I thought church would be like, because it feels like it's like it's a recharge, I guess, and then mm. it's like a community thing, and it just seems like spiritual in a way because it's like a lot of people are a part of the of that chapter now, so it's just sort of like. That it just seems like that's what that's kind of something that church was supposed to do, maybe. Mm. But I just wanted to do because I used to, I used to eat at Food Not Bombs, and I just like there's a lot of people now that come to our thing that I just I have a lot in common with, and then it's just like a thing of like it's just like a no judgment kind of thing, and we just mm. talk about all kinds of stuff, and there's like we also like have a speaker and we play music and then people come and dance like it's just like fun it just feels good and it's fun and it's like there's like people that are like oh we want you to make this thing not this thing or something like that it's just like we just see each other every week and now it's like we talk about different stuff and like I don't know that's kind of I think that's what church was for some people, it's like they go and they see their community and they check in with each other. Okay, let's talk about this record, Simple Syrup. A um, little bit of background that I'll just ramble off. Recorded in Venice Beach with your producer Harlan Steinberger. Yeah. Is that how you say his name? Yeah, I think so. Um, you <laughs> recorded it live with the band, first time doing that. Originally... It was supposed to be a double album called Red Pill, Blue Pill. Am I getting this right? Yeah. Okay. But because of COVID, things got changed. You put out this banging EP last year called Can I Sit With You that everybody frigging loved. Um, then you released a couple singles, got rid of some of the songs to get the 11 tracks on this new record. And the thing that I wanted to know about was that you said that like everything about this record was like kind of all over the place like the sequencing didn't make sense stuff like that but it seems like you really kind of like leaned into that um how did it feel to like really embrace the chaos during this process especially like while everything was running parallel to the pandemic i didn't embrace the chaos it just it just got to a point where it's like fuck it like because can I Sit With You was supposed to be a part of the album. 
originally. So that was going to be a part of the double album. And it's like everything just got messed up and just got to a point where, like, Simple Syrup was was pretty much done for over a year because it would have really come out in the beginning of 2020. Hmm. So then it was like, oh, let's wait to see what happens. And then it was like a whole year of pandemic. And, you know, at first we thought like it would, we still thought it could go away sooner. So just, I just Mm. feel like it was like, okay, you can't just sit for another year. It's like, just have to let it go. It like changed so much and then it got shorter and now it's just like, just gotta let it go and start over. It sounds like you were like really rolling with the punches. I no. I <laughs> You're like, so. no, I was not. <laughs> no. Because even the art, like, they were going to be, that's what, it was going to be red pill, blue pill. I wanted to be two two sides, and the red guy was going to be on one side, and the blue guy, well, I don't know if he's, if they're guys. I guess they're, they're non-binary or whatever, the people. Mm-hmm. It's just everything, it's just like, everything just changed a lot about it. I don't know, I'm just, I'm glad it's over I just want want to start over. All right, cool. Let's talk about these songs track by track. You into it? Okay. All right, cool. The day was bad. Glad to see it end. It seems the bad is your only friend. Lucid Lucy. Um, you have been a fan of sleeping all your life. You said, I used to practice lucid dreaming in jail a lot and all the time when I was in sober living. What has been your experience with lucid dreaming? Uh, It's awesome. Are you able to, like, control? Like, you're like, all right, I'm dreaming, so here's what I'm going to do. And you just, like, decide what you can do? Kind of. I'm not, like, deciding actions, but I'm controlling how I feel. So it's not really like, I can't just be like, today I'm going to be a mermaid or what. But it's like, I can feel happy the entire time. I guess, like, it just feels more like a like an emotional thing. I, I don't have control over my emotions when I'm awake. Mm. But when I'm sleeping, I can, I can really, like, like, I can be extremely happy, too, if I want. It's like mm. just so, something, I know how to stay in one place only there that's wild but sometimes i'm just it's like almost like i'm just seeing like colors or something like it's like i'm it's almost ecstasy sometimes Hmm. but then there's other times i i have i can't control things and i just have nightmares and it just goes bad and then i wake up and and i try again what have the dreams looked like for you during covid i wasn't uh dreaming because i was drunk real drunk Mm. I wasn't dreaming so much. Does the lucid dreaming only happen when you're sober? Yeah, kind of. Yeah. I could, I mean, you could drink, but you can't be like, you can't be like real drunk. Like, mm-hmm. you have to be, same like, even with weed, like, that doesn't work either. I think it does for some people, but that doesn't help me. Mm. Um, the cello part on this song is really beautiful. Nial Taro Ferguson playing the cello. What do you think the cello part adds to the meaning of the song? It's like dreamy sounding and like it kind of makes I think it makes it more whimsical 
when he does because he bows and he plucks and i think that kind of makes it sound like a cartoon almost yeah so it's kind of like a disney like sounding thing Um, all right, Mama's Milk, this song is hysterical. Um, it is about how you are not responsible for the mental health of whatever man you're dating. You don't want to be some guy's therapist. But there's, like, that line of, like, listening to your partner's problems and, like, actually playing the role of, like, a professional counselor, like-ish, you know? So, like, where does that line exist for you? Like, when people talk, like, if you know someone, because for me it's the same with friends also. It doesn't have to be, like, a romantic thing. And it's, like, sometimes people, like, if all, if all they do is talk about their problems every time you talk, they're doing that thing to you. Because I think people have a natural instinct of, like, when to stop talking about something. I think, like, that sounds messed up, but it's, like, if I tell you about... I'm not going to tell you about something for hours. Like, I might, like, you you can know what's going on with someone, but you don't need to hear about it every day. Mm. I can't explain it. It's, like, it's just you need to... At least there has to be an even exchange. Yeah, yeah, totally. It's, like, uh, you get emotionally worn out. yeah. And then it's it's just overwhelming. And then if unless somebody is an expert on something, it's like you can tell when people really don't have the answers and they don't know. It's just like I feel like if if someone doesn't naturally like um, see that the person has no idea how to help with it, it's just there's no point of it. And and it's like that's why people go to school for that. Like, yeah, you can't just ask anybody to how to how do I work through this trauma from when I was a, a kid and now you know it's like I don't know I'm it's because everybody <laughs> has their own stuff they're trying to fix also so it's just like I think we need to we all need to see professional people if it's if it's that much of a or just ignore it and be quiet about it how did writing this song help you with boundaries I guess I yeah, it didn't really help me. I just I just don't really talk to people that much anyway. So I was already, like, trying to isolate myself from people anyway. Hmm. But that's just because I'm traumatized by people that every friendship and relationship I ever had to a point where I just am so exhausted that, like, somebody could be cool, but I just feel like it's already too much that could happen. Because I remember a, cu- a couple years ago, I was trying to be more social just by, like, going to more shows and, like, just trying to be a good friend and just trying to do more stuff. And then it was just, like, everything got so dramatic and crazy. And I was like, I can't actually, I don't have the energy to interact with people like that. Mm-hmm. So now I just accepted it. Because I think I was just getting inspired by TV like seeing people go to events on TV. And I was like, why don't I have a social life? <laughs> 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 but then I'm, now I'm like, oh yeah, I don't like it. 
They don't like people. Yeah. yeah. I like going to shows, but we're not talking. Yeah, nobody <laughs> talks to each other. Yeah. It's like a introverted extrovert or an introvert trying to uh, have extroverted aspirations. Because it looks cute. Like, yeah. when you watch something like Sex in the City, I always thought, like, why don't I have friends? <laughs> <laughs> But now I don't. So this song is called Mama's Milk. You said because the chorus implies that they literally want to be nursed and never were as babies, which is like your sense of humor is so weird and like hilarious. (laughs) Like what a hilarious visual. Um, What's it like to include your like wild sense of humor into your music? I don't I don't know because. Cause I like I think it's funny, but I also really mean that. <laughs> right. So I don't. So it's like I don't know, or I don't really know things are funny until someone says it's funny or something. Cause I think everything is funny. Right. Kind of. And then sometimes when I think I'm being serious, people think it's really funny. Like mm. one time, like that song, um, "Drugs Are Bad." People like the first time. A couple of my friends heard it, they just were laughing, and I was like, oh. And, like, Weird Al, when I was younger, I didn't know it was supposed to be funny, Weird Al. Really? Yeah, when I was a kid, I just really listened to it. I just had no idea. I just really didn't. <laughs> my God, Sonny, you are so complex. So the next song is called Like Nina. It's a song about black women, different archetypes, Nina Simone, Aretha Franklin, Tina Turner, and a little bit of Beyonce. Um, you write them in, you write them as like personality types, and you're saying they are the only four I'm allowed to choose from. How do you see each of these, and why only just these four? Well, I guess it could be more than four, but like other iconic black female singers they would still fall under one of those four categories. Hmm. So like, any, so that's like anyone else I could think of, I could put them in one of those categories. Hmm. That's not right, but that's just, so I guess those are my favorite four from those kind of, because it's like different eras and kind of different styles. You are aligning yourself with the archetype of Nina Simone, kind of crazy, introverted, kind of a weirdo. And the aesthetic of the song also kind of has that feeling, like it opens up with this rad musical intro, the voice and guitar kind of match each other, and there's this like unpredictability of the song, and it, like it does not go where I would, I thought it would go at all. Like it's just like a wild ride. So how does the aesthetic of the song relate to the persona of Nina Simone? I think it's, like, dramatic a little bit. And I don't think other than that, I don't think it really matches the aesthetic of Nina Simone. You don't? No. Because 
I think because she's more commanding, you know. Hmm. But like musically commanding. Yeah. Do you feel musically commanding? No, I think I'm more um, just quiet. I guess. I think maybe it's the instrument too. Maybe it's like just certain stuff. It's like when she's playing piano, it's like boom. It's just like it's just hard. Like, and I feel like a lot of her recordings. It's like I feel like I'm inside of her piano、mm. with, with certain recordings. And I and then I feel like her voice is just more like like just strong and commanding. You only started listening to Nina Simone about five years ago. How did you discover her, and what did it feel like to first hear her songs? I think I was just listening. My mom was listening to her, and then I just decided to to check it out. But I was also just getting into Joan Armatrading too, and I、yes. was just listening to like stuff that I had never. Really listened to, but I knew well, people that did that told me that I should. I don't know. I just got I just got obsessed with her, though. It was like the right time.、Hmm. I think people like music comes at the right time that you need, and I was、oh. just kind of looking for a different mood, like just a totally. Because I'm pretty sure, like it, before that, I wouldn't have. I probably wouldn't have liked it. Because I、mm-hmm. I wasn't like patient enough to like certain things, like there is like I was like only listening to punk and stuff for a while, so it was hard for me unless it, unless there was guitar involved. I wasn't really as open minded、mm-hmm. to stuff. So that, if I it think, didn't have the BPMs, yeah. So I think it was also just being more open to like lyrics and what people are saying that、mm-hmm. made it more like whoa. Cause I think she like she's like the most relatable writer I think. So, all right. The next song is "Kiss a Loser,"、um, and you said in that song, "I'm the loser. I'm an alcoholic, and I don't care to change that. I'm just working on keeping it under control." How did you come to that <laughs> realization after being sober and living in sober houses that you weren't going to give up drinking? People who are sober, they they use something else. It's like people in AA and NA. They drink so much coffee and smoke so much cigarettes and stuff, and then a lot of them get addicted to like working out. And it's just like you're gonna do something. I feel like I shouldn't. I probably shouldn't drink, but I still. I don't feel like my life is is at risk as long as long as I'm not using like nar- narcotics, you know.、Mm-hmm. So I'm. I just think it's. And also, I don't even drink like hard liquor anymore. So I'm not really like. It's not a good. I, there's nothing good I can say about. Are you it. drinking wine coolers? No, I just drink really strong IPA. Okay. And I so I don't feel like I really drink that much. A lot of them are getting pretty high alcohol percentage these days. Are you drinking it to like try to enjoy 
to drink? Or are you still drinking to get drunk? Just to get, just to, almost to just fall asleep. Because I don't, mm-hmm. I don't start till like nighttime. And it's just, mm-hmm. I can't, I don't know how to, because then if I don't, I'm just, I just feel awake. I don't know how I'm supposed, and then I'll just be up till like four in the morning. And I'm just like, I can't like, and I still, and I do things, I do like an hour of cardio like every other day. And I do stuff that should be making me feel like be able to wind down and stuff and i've been like trying to like eat right or whatever and stuff and drink water and everything but i can't naturally wind down but i had problems with insomnia when i was a kid also Mm. so i think it's like there's probably a healthier way to to deal with that but i also like i like being drunk at night because i laugh so hard i laugh so hard (laughs) (laughs) The song Mama's Milk is about how you're not responsible for other people's, like, emotional problems. But, like, in this song, Kiss a Loser, there's, like, a lot of really cool self-realization and self-acceptance. And also it seems like you know that you're responsible for your own mental health. It's it's really interesting. So, like, I'm wondering what you're going to say to this answer. Um, how, <laughs> how did writing the song Kiss a Loser help you sort your feelings out about your shortcomings? I guess I, I haven't sorted my feelings out, but I've, I feel like I know, like, what's wrong and stuff. And, like, it's it helps me, like, when stuff goes wrong, like, I'm it's easier for me to analyze something. Like, if, if, we, if we have a fight or something, I can tell when it's like, oh, that's on me. Like, I'm, I was just really being a piece of shit, which a lot of times I am. But then it's like, then I can see when it's not me, though, too. Be like, that's on you. That's your shit. Love me one time. And I love you, too. Never stars A Love So True. Okay, this is your rom-com song that somebody needs to put in a movie. Um, from my perspective, this is a song about crushing hard on someone and hoping that like this is going to be the real L-O-V-E thing. Um, unapologetically pursuing the bullshit we see in romantic comedies. <laughs> That's a direct quote from Sunny War. There is like... So I feel like I've been off every time I've had like um, an observation about the sound of the song, kind of like relating to the meaning. So you can tell me if I'm wrong about this. But in A Love So True, there is like an edge to this song in the lyrics and in the music. So where does anxiety appear in the song? And like, what's that line for you between like fun anticipation and being like really scared and trying to be cautious? Like, the song to me is not about um, crushing on someone. It's about opening up to trying to, to... So, like, it's more like about... It's like after a lot of stuff has gone wrong, you still having... Going back and be like, I'm going to try it again. Like, it's that... It's supposed to be like, get out there. <laughs> like, that kind of thing. <laughs> so, like, to me, it's like about how... 
that's how people feel in the summer or whatever. Like, that's like hot girl summer type of shit. <laughs> Where they're like, I'm going to get out here. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> but it's also like try, trying to say, like, don't let stuff that happen with other people make you give up on every person. Because that's still silly. A love so true, a love so true, a love so true, a love so true, a love so true. I ain't no scholar, I need to turn a dollar into ten. Love my mama on the collar, I tell her that she never needs to work again. Losing Hand. The influences on this record are more like blues and jazz. Then before, and Joan Armatrading, Nick Drake play into that influence. And both of those performers are very like stylistic guitar players. And on this sound, song, it sounds like those influences were coming into play. And you say, I haven't found my voice as a guitarist yet, but I think I'm getting closer. So what does that mean and look like for you to find your voice as a guitarist? I guess like it... I would I would think I found my voice as a guitarist if I was like really like proud of stuff. Like there's stuff that I would play differently now. So like with Nick Drake, there's stuff like he could say that that record is perfect. You know, like as far as the guitar, like there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff where I could be like, all those takes are perfect, and the way you put it together is perfect. Cause with old with old songs like I have I found a better way to play them, but it's like I didn't think of it at the time. You know I had to keep. So I think that that would make me feel like I knew my voice when I I could be like sure about stuff like mm. this is the, this is the best way to play this or this is my idea, and this is the clearest way. Cause I still I can't like commit. Cause I still mm-hmm. haven't committed to my picking style yet. Even though it sounds the same, I cha- I'm changing it a lot. And now I'm using, I used to use two fingers, and now I'm using more fingers to pick. So that's changing a lot of stuff too. How do you get a new finger in the mix there? I don't know. Just started happening. <laughs> this like, just recently actually. Which finger are you throwing in there now? My middle finger. <laughs> the best one. <laughs> yep. And actually a little bit of this finger. What's that called? The ring finger? Yep. A little bit of that. You made my heart say boom, boom. Fireworks all in my chest. I'm howling at the bed. Love is a Pest. Uh, there's lots of saxophone on this record, especially on this song. I really like the way that it comes in. So what is your relationship to the saxophone and what made you want to include it so much on this record? Yeah, I don't know, man. I must have really been losing my mind. <laughs> <laughs> Normally that's not an instrument people lean into unless you're Van Morrison. Yeah. I don't even like saxophones at all. I really don't. But that guy is good. 
I think I like how I I like if I was gonna listen to saxmo I would like the what is it called is the tenor tax is the tenor sax is that the lowest one isn't it the baritone the baritone that's the one I would choose we call it the berry yeah that I guess it's like I just knew I wanted some I either wanted like a flute or a trumpet or something I just wanted some kind of like uh, but he that guy lives around the corner from the studio and it was just like let's try this but. It just it just worked, I guess. Yeah. But I didn't really like. I wasn't sure about about that. He knows I don't like saxophones, except for some reason I did think on Mama's book I did think that it would be cool. I wanted either trumpet or saxophone, but only if it was like wailing, you know. Can't sleep. Can't rest. Love is All right, its name is Fear. You wrote this song during the first three months of COVID. You'd been having some panic attacks. Very relatable. Um, what were those like, and how have you been working to like curb your anxiety? The panic attacks were just scary. Like I just couldn't breathe, and then I would go outside and I would just be breathing really fast. And I like at one, it's like certain times I was like, should I call an ambulance? Like, I was freaking out. I was just like, I couldn't get my, I couldn't catch my breath. It's like, I was breathing. It's just like, I was, I guess it's just like a mind, like a mental thing. But then I noticed, like, I had to stop reading. I had to stop reading the news a little bit. Mm. It was like a thing, like, I would drink my coffee and I would feel like looking at everything and just reading everything. And it's like, it was too much. It was just too many things at once. And I think, so... I had to change to like try to see what's going on every couple days or something like don't be like just it's not like it's not easy stuff that we have to look at every day and also just like just the phone in general too just putting it down <laughs> yeah that yeah. helped a lot like yeah do more stuff like go like try to just walk or whatever just do just do stuff and not not think about I get, I think it's like trying to know everything that's going on all the time. Mm. That could just make you go crazy. And then on top of like suddenly being unemployed and not knowing what's going to happen and how long is this going to last and am I going to get evicted? What am I going to like all this stuff on top of trying to keep up with like with like what's going on politically. It's just too much mm. stuff. So now I have it more under control cuz I I don't I don't tune in all the time. Yeah. So you wrote or you said this song is about paranoia and feeling like you're in jail. As someone who has actually like experienced that, how could you relate both experiences? Um being in the pandemic is a lot easier than being in jail. <laughs> but I get I get the um the metaphor or whatever. But you can't you can't go out and take a walk and and like smoke pot and like drink and in jail and like still talk on the phone and stuff like that. And no one's gonna like no one's gonna beat you up at your house or threaten to. Hopefully not. Oh yeah, that's another thing. Some people, I mean, because I 
that's another thing is like domestic violence like was really bad during covid like i was seeing that a lot of people were getting beaten by their partners and stuff which is just sad there's a new game its name is fear only cause when he's in jail thinks i have money for his bed i still love you we're still friends but i can't bear you out again well listen like while we're on that sadness note the next song is very sad um deployed and destroyed yeah oh, we just yeah. both made the teeth emoji face Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> There is, like, so much going on in this song, Deployed and Destroyed, about your friend Zach, who joined the Navy after high school because it was the only option for him. He has PTSD. He's in and out of jail. So the song is about the way the military treats veterans. It's about Zach, like, who he is, where he came from, his beautiful music. Um, And it's also about your relationship with Zach, kind of like putting up a boundary with him about not being able to help him anymore with bail and stuff like that. Um, As someone who had a similar experience with drugs as Zach, how hard was it to establish that boundary and communicate it to him? It's weird because it's like, like I I can't help him like, the boundary is only that, like, I can't help him financially and I I would never let him, like, crash at my place or something. But other than that, I feel like there really, there aren't that many boundaries. Like, I feel kind of like I'm his bitch or something because he's, ca- he can call me whenever he wants and I really answer. <laughs> and also, like, and he has me do weird shit. Like, he'll be like, I need you to get on Facebook and send my mom a message and tell her where I'm at. Please, that's all I want. And just stuff like that. But I've done that like 10 different times where he's like, can you just write to my sister and tell her to, to how she can get in touch with me and just stuff like that. So it's like, I do everything but like, because there's been times where he's like asked if he could come over and crash and stuff and do like stuff like that. And then another time recently, he asked me for a guitar. He's like, can I buy a guitar from you? And I'm like, no. Like, I guess he saved, he had like 200 bucks to get a guitar and then he wanted to go busking again. And he asked me to lie because right now he's in a sober living that he was put into after jail. And he's asking me to lie to the people there saying that he has a place to go because they won't release him unless he gets like, he's supposed to be living there, getting a job and then getting a place. And he mm-hmm. wants to just leave and go back to the streets. And I'm like, I'm not going to lie to this. I'm not going to lie to them and say that you have a place to go. And I know that if you go back to the streets, you're just going to relapse. So I'm like, why don't you just actually just be sober and just do what they want you to do? Because that's the only mm-hmm. way. And that, But that's the thing where he's like, no, I just need, I'm going to go busking and I'm going to I'm going to save money like that. And then I'm going to move here and blah. And I'm just like, that's the same. It's just a circle. Yeah. So it's like. I'm not, like, going crazy trying to... You can't bullshit a bullshitter. Yeah, I'm like, okay, try it your way, but I'm not going to lie to them for you. Like, I'm not going to help with that. But he's still, like, he's still my friend. It's just things are... There's also times where it's like, 
I've seen him, like, really out of it. And I have to just be like, I can't, I'm not gonna, like, talk to you right now. Okay, the song Eyes is about your friends and family who have died, but you feel their presence with them kind of looking out for you. Um, what has been your experience with feeling connected to people who have passed on? Well, it's been a, a lot because just like a lot of my friends from when I was younger died, like all before they were, most of them were younger than 35. When you're an addict, I guess, and like all, and then most of the people you know are addicts and alcoholics. It's like a lot of people die and stuff in it. So, but the last friend of mine that died, he he wasn't using and he got hit by a car and it was just the most out of nowhere thing. Mm. And I like, I kind of went crazy for a while. Like it just wasn't, I couldn't, I couldn't get through it. And I kind of feel like he visited me one night it actually that was the same day that I found out about it and that and I was like I was just sitting on the floor like because we used to live together we were roommates for a couple Mm. years and then like I knew him since I was like 13 and it was like I was just really going I was not handling it very well and I felt like I he came and sat with me at one point and then I just kind and then I just feel that way even about like my grandparents and stuff, like I still feel like I can kind of like get in touch with my grandmas in a weird way, and just like even old friends, like if I think about them hard enough, I feel like I can feel them there. Mm-hmm. So it's just the only way I know how to deal with death right now is like they're just somewhere else. But it kind of messes with how what I believe about other stuff. Um, you said, you just mentioned that you have known people who have died before there were 35. I think you, you like, you gave a number. You said, I've known more than 50 people who've died before they were 30 years old, um, including your friend Otto that was killed by the hit and run drunk driver. Um, so grief for you is like not a new experience. Uh, so how did this song Eyes help you with your grieving process in general? I don't think the song helped, but, well, I guess it's like trying to honor them, I guess, mm. and just acknowledge them. Because they are still my friends. Sometimes that can get really dark, because I, I think about a lot, because it's like a lot of them were like were like street kids that I would that I traveled with and like, to me, like that, when I was a teenager, like I was, that was like how I was learning about the world. I was, so it's like, that was like the most meaningful time of my life really was when I was traveling. And it's just like the people that I would see in those different places. It's just like, like none of the cities, nothing feels the same anymore. Cause it's like all these people are gone and it's just like, mm. 
But then sometimes I think I'll I'll be at a certain place and I'll think about them and I'll reminisce and it just it gets really like weird because it's like oh but there nobody's here because there was like a time where like San Francisco used to be like was crazy like just it was like completely taken over by gutter punks and it's just like in New York was like that too not New York kind of still is like that sometimes it's just different. You probably wouldn't talk to your friends from when you were a teenager, but if you wanted to normally, you could see how they were doing or something. And it's just weird to be like, oh, all these people are just fucking gone. Like, and then a lot of them were older too. Cause there's like different, there's like different train kid crews and stuff, like little punk gangs and stuff. And it's like, some of them are just completely gone. Like that's just also, substance abuse that's a really serious thing a lot of them it was liver failure which that's a lot to be to have liver failure before you're 30 like that's a lot of you're doing a lot friends that are living in watching all the got one more song about your big baby oh yeah my favorite my favorite <laughs> line in the song is she's mine but she hates me <laughs> so it's about your favorite guitar which you call big baby 31 year old true american guild um has a big personality so what is this guitar like what is her personality like she's a bitch no <laughs> <laughs> Well, there's some weird stuff about that guitar where it's like, which I know, I know it's really like, it depends on the temperature or something, but sometimes it's like the strings, they'll be touching the frets and it, it's like, it's, it sounds broken. Like you would take it to a shop and there's times where like I've taken it and then it changes back and it's fine again. And people (laughs) think I'm crazy, but it's like, it's, it really like moves around a lot. And I think it's just, I think it's like the type of wood that it is or something. Like it kind of like, it shapeshifts a lot. But people think I'm crazy if I say that. (laughs) So maybe, maybe it's not true, but I don't know. Cause there's been times I'm like, oh, this shit, I have to get the, I have to get the neck. It just needs to be lined up and then it'll be fine in a way. But then I take it home and it's not fine again. It's not fine. (laughs) And then just stuff where like, just one string will just completely detune out of nowhere but that doesn't happen all the time it's like stuff where i'm like there's some kind of like it's a it's cursed or something it's trying to like (laughs) just trying to throw me off all the time where did you get her on craigslist and now because i wanted because i wanted to get a guild but i knew i didn't i just wanted one of the american ones i didn't want like when they started mass producing guilds it's like it's just not the same as the, mm-hmm. Like, I only wanted an old guild, and I knew it would be cheaper if I just got it from, like, a private 
person. I really wanted a jumbo guild, but I ended up with this one because it's like when I played it, I was like, nah, I like, I like how it sounds. It just sounds, I like it. Sonny, let's do the lightning round. I actually, you last time you were on, we did the lightning round, so I wrote new questions just for you. Okay. You ready? Yeah. Okay, here we go. What is a song that makes you cry every time? I don't know. Um, I like Twilight by Elliot Smith. Oh, yeah. Good choice. All right, who is your guitar hero? I don't know. It's This is messed up, but Angus Young. <laughs> <laughs> Good night, everyone. <laughs> uh, all right. What is your favorite scented candle? Uh, neon guava. <laughs> Do you have it right next to you? Yeah. Yeah. But I don't yeah. even know what they are. I just pick them randomly. It's like I just get... Because they were on sale. <laughs> Listen, I don't bash anyone's candle buying process. You you get what you you get what you want to get. Okay, who do you unabashedly stan? I don't know if I'm too old to use that word, but who do you unabashedly stan? Yolo. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. In an unhealthy way. <laughs> okay. What's one product you cannot live without? Oh, castor oil. I need it for my hair because my hair's falling out. No. It's not like falling out. It's just like I've been not taking care. I don't. Uh, I need it. I need it, okay? I need okay. the castor oil. No, no further <laughs> questions. <laughs> what is your favorite musical? Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Oh, good one. Tell me about your favorite pair of sweatpants. I don't have sweatpants. No. I don't believe you. I don't. All right. Fine. I wear uh, men's boy shorts. Ah. All right. (laughs) Most shameful quarantine activity. I can't remember the name of the group, but there was this group in the 80s, and they were like a rap group, and they have this song. it's It's like, yo mama smokes crack rock. Yo mama smokes crack rock. <laughs> so just look just look up your yo mama smokes crack rock. And mm-hmm. um one time during the quarantine I ate mushrooms and I listened to that song like two <laughs> times in a row. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was like the lowest point. Wow. Okay. Redemption time. Most respectful quarantine activity. Oh, we got Bushimi. Went to see a groomer. Nice. How is little Steve? He's right here. Well, he got his nails cut and good dog. Now he's like, now he's pretty big now. Oh my god, he's, he's huge. huge now. Hi, bud. Oh my so god, his eyes are so funny. He's almost a year old, and he doesn't bark as much as he used to, which I'm glad. I think I'm just I'm just relieved because I I kind of thought he was gonna be like one of those. You know, barking all the time. Yappers. But I think that was just like more like a younger, like a puppy thing. What a cutie. Okay, last question. Sunny War, where do you want to go 
once travel restrictions are lifted. I want to go to New Orleans. I told you already. <laughs> I, I want to. I've never been there. Oh, that's right. Okay. Seems so, obtainable. I could probably go now. You could really. go now. Yeah. Well, this is this is fun, Sunny. Thank you for talking to me and talking about the hard stuff and making us all sad with your great music. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Basic Folk This Week was produced by John Nungesser. Alex Stanton of the band Townspeople composes our music. Basic Folk is on the American Songwriter Podcast Network. I'm your host, Cindy Howes. I am totally keyed up about everything in life right now, so thanks for putting up with me and, and dealing with me. And please subscribe to Basic Folk so you don't miss Lizzie's first episode. And you can find uh, Basic Folk wherever you get podcasts or at our website, basicfolk.com. All right, we will talk to you next time. Mm, bye. Bye.